Welcome to the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and I am very excited to share with you a new venture that we're doing on the podcast. It's something that I've always wanted to do, and I've never gotten to a point where I've been able to do it. Um, for those of you who have been following the podcast for a while or following my work for a while, you know that I used to run the Undead Walking podcast. And I always wanted to find a way to get fans incorporated into the podcast. And uh, that wasn't possible under the old model because it wasn't my podcast. It was my company's podcast. So now that I have my own podcast, I can do whatever the F I want. And so that means we can do fan podcasts. So to begin this little venture, I thought it would be fun to talk to somebody who has been um, very active on social media. She was somebody who came, um, you know, as soon as I started tweeting about Interview with a Vampire and, and the show, and, and especially at San Diego Comic-Con, um, I noticed her tweets and, and uh, you know, we've interacted several times on social media. So when it came to finding somebody to join me on the podcast for an interview, I thought that there was no better person than the one and only Gore. Um, her her name's Ray. And uh, she was so excited to join the podcast, but I was so excited and so honored that she was able to do it. And um, so, yeah, so we had a really fun conversation. Just to kind of set the time, the timeline, um, we only talked about the first two episodes of Interview with a Vampire just because I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen the third episode yet. So we kept everything kind of general, talking about, you know, our general interest in the show and, um, you know, everything that's kind of outside of um, outside the show, but then also things that we enjoy about the show, about the first two episodes and what we hope for and what's coming. And I really hope that this becomes a regular feature on the podcast. I'd love to know your thoughts after you hear the, uh, hear the interview. It's a little bit longer, but I think it's a lot of fun. It's a really interesting conversation and it's something that, like I said, I think it's something that, that we could be doing on a regular basis. So I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to jump right into it. And, um, Here's the interview. I think I really hope you enjoy it. All right. So today's guest on the podcast is Ray. Now, I've just met Ray in person on this Zoom call, but we've known each other for a while now, and you know her too, because if you're following the Vampire Chronicles, you have seen her either on Twitter, on YouTube, on TikTok. She's uh, also known as at Gorey, G-O-R-R-E-I on TikTok and at G-O-R-R-E-I underscore VC on Twitter. And uh, if you're like me, I always look and I'm like, oh, there's a the little purple, purple haired avatar. And that's how I know that she's, she's there. She's always out there. And um, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Ray, for joining me. Thank, thank you. Yes, I'm always watching. I'm like the Paula Mosca. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your content as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, honestly, I'm so excited to have a fellow super fan to be able to talk to about this show because it's it's like we're all coming out of the shadows and, and finally able to uh, to connect with other fans. It's not something that some people, some of us have never met other fans. It's just, it's, we're all just coming out and, and, and discovering this community, a new community around the old community. It's great. Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember in 2009, I first read Interviews of Vampire. Um, my, I, I was trying to read Twilight and I was, I was disappointed that nobody was getting bitten. And <laughs> so my- I could my just see that Amazon, that, that Amazon review right there, you know, like 
where's the biting? Not One enough star. biting. <laughs> and um, so my both my mom and stepmom were, you know, they they were eighty nineteen uh, eighties and Rice fans. Um, they've been around for a while. Uh, one of them was even part of the Tom Cruise protesting. <laughs> I won't get into that. I don't. I don't know the details. I just know she was a part of it. Um, no offense to, to the Tom Cruise fans. Um, and so they. So um, my stepmom gave me uh, interview the vampire. She's like, you need to read this book, and I did. And I was like, that was exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you. And um, what's also funny is that uh, she told me that I am not allowed to watch the movie until I finish the book, and. That's what I did. And I think that was the best decision of my life because I had a completely unique um, reading of the book when I was in high school uh, in 2009. And I just, I fell completely in love. I was like, I finally found writing that I can really connect with. I love Gothic imagery. I love, um, I love it when nature is being used to describe emotions, to connect with those emotions like that. Just, it just spoke to me so well. And especially with it being like one of the first queer supernatural books I ever read. And, um, and so after that, I just, I was like, I need more of this. And I just continue along with the series. And, but I could not find any fans <laughs> of this book. I tried to get my other, my, my other friends to get into it and and none of them could get into it um probably because they were all into twilight and they were expecting something twilight like i don't know but uh yeah they just they they didn't they couldn't get into it and because this was during the not so much fan fiction on the internet era i couldn't find any fan fiction i couldn't i couldn't even find that much fan art or other content and it was it was a lonely time especially since you know i was 16 and um, I actually went to a book signing. And even when uh, I went to an Anne Rice book signing, there were so many older fans that I couldn't really connect with anybody there. So it was kind of a lonely time for me. And now finally, I feel like I can finally connect people who are of a variety of ages from a variety of groups. And I just, I'm so happy that like, we're finally like all together again. It just, it makes me so happy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on, on the whole community building thing, because it's, it, it is, I mean, you can really, you know, the book came out in the seventies and then, you know, more books came out in the eighties and, and they had their vampire balls in, in New Orleans and, and, you know, there, there was no internet. So you were really connecting through, through the books. I mean, if, if you went to a signing or if you went and, and, um, you know, somehow had an event that was connected to Anne Rice, like that's how you met other people. And then 1994, the movie came out. And by then, you know, people, I, I think the one thing the movie did was it introduced Anne Rice to an even broader audience because there are a lot of people who still haven't read the books. And even in reading reviews, I don't know if you noticed that, but like even in some reviews, people only talked about the book or about the movie as yeah. if there were no books. Yes, Which, I've noticed you know, that. In fairness, <laughs> not everybody has read the books. I can't, I'm not going to fault them for that, but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to see, like you say, like where, at what point in time they came into the, into the picture. I mean, I came into the picture yeah. in the mid nineties when I was in high school and, and uh, even then, I mean, nobody was really, it was, it was a time where, you know, the people who went to see interview with the vampire in the theaters were those, were those people. 
yeah. those, you know, those people. And yeah, I just went because my best friend dragged me and she said, you have to come see this movie because Brad Pitt's gorgeous. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not gonna I, argue had there. <laughs> I had almost no knowledge of the movie. Like I knew it existed, but I, mm-hmm. I hadn't really seen any photos or anything. And of course, you know, like I said, my stepmom was um, very against the movie. Now I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, but I, I did read the book first and I didn't mm-hmm. have any any imagery in mind of of any of these uh, of any of anything from the movie. So when I did finally watch the movie, I liked it, but I was like, this isn't the book, but it's good. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just not the book. But if you if I had watched the movie first, then read the book, I think I would have thought differently. I think I would have thought, oh yeah, this is this is a lot like the movie, but because I had it the other way around. Um, I don't know. It, it just wasn't, and it's not because of the plot, not even really the characters. But for me, it was just the the feeling, the the mm-hmm. the emotion, the like I said, the emotions, the the mood. There was just something about it that didn't speak to me like the book did. But I still enjoyed it. So. Yeah, and yeah. you know, there there is something. I mean, obviously, Anne Rice wrote the screenplay, so you know, mm-hmm. she knew what was going into the movie. But one thing, you know, as I've, I've worked in entertainment for, you know, over a decade now, like what I, what I've come to realize is that the only time you're really going to get a good adaptation is if you do what they've done with Interview with the Vampire and making it a series and not, yeah, you know, I I don't think you could make a Game of Thrones movie. I don't think you could make a Walking Dead movie and expect to pack all of these years and all of these books into one movie. I mean, even you know, love it or hate it, the Queen of the Damned movie, <laughs> it did a decent job bringing all of the stuff together. Yeah. Arguably, like, they, they did manage to get a lot of the pieces, but they, it's they so much. It in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, it's, it's impossible, you know, and so, yeah. um, you know, one of, the, I actually, so I've, I'm sure you've seen, like, I, I write, I cover a lot of stuff right now. I'm, I'm in the middle mm-hmm. of vampires, zombies, and romance, which is like the weirdest trifecta you've ever seen in your life. It all hits though. Yeah. It all goes together. <laughs> but one of the things that you notice, you start to notice is that, um, you know, like a Hallmark movie, for example, if you read a book that's published by Hallmark, it's about, mm, about 200 and something pages and it fits perfectly into an hour and a half movie. It's like it's they're it's like they were they were made to be made into movies, and then you look at you know you look at a book like um, like Interview with a Vampire, you look at Vampire Lestat, like any of these books. Right. When you look at a book that's you know three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred pages, there is no way you were going to put everything. Even if you go two and a half hours, you're still not going right. to get. So the yeah. only, what I love right now, like we're in this really interesting time where there are so many streaming services and so many platforms looking for properties to develop that they're looking at series as opposed to movies. And I think that's yeah. so smart. You know, I, I think Disney, yeah. I, I look at Disney and what they did with the Marvel series and like some of the Marvel series are better than the movies because you can have six hours with one story. And you're like, this feels, this feels normal. This doesn't feel like I wouldn't go see a six hour movie, but I would, Mm -hmm. I would watch a six hour series. So when AMC kind of, when AMC made the announcement that they were going to, they, they were purchasing the properties for me, it was, I mean, I love AMC. I've worked with them for years, but just as a fan of their work, 
I know that they're committed to the development of these universes. Yes. And that's what made me think, okay, this has the potential to become something really amazing because yeah. if you're not trying to fit all of this stuff, if, if you're looking, I mean, at Comic-Con, I can't tell you how many times Mark Johnson and Roland Jones were saying, we're going to go for years. Like this yeah. is, this is our goal, like years and yeah. years and years. When you that have depends that, on the fans, yeah, the fan support. Yeah, and I think the fans have spoken. But man, <laughs> that's what they like, want to do. It's what yeah, they, yeah. That's that is the goal, and I think. But yeah. I think that the 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 prospect of looking at it as a long term thing just makes it. I mean, look how much in the first two episodes alone yes. we were able to see that just it would you would never get those kinds of details. Yeah, in I, a two hour I, movie. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that, and I've been trying to tell people this ever, because I've been following this production uh, uh, (laughs) what feels like my entire life, because I've been following (laughs) it ever since. I I mean, honestly, ever since Anne and Chris um, were first just talking about trying to make the Vampire Chronicles into a TV show. And they went to multiple different studios and finally settled on AMC. And um, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit worried at first because I, I saw these changes, but then once they said that they are taking the context of the entire Vampire Chronicles, I was like, oh, that makes sense because there is a lot of context. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought that making, making the Vampire Chronicles, all of them as a series has got to be a two screen has got to be the most difficult job in the world because as somebody who has a BA in film and television if I was given that job and and I I this is why I'm like I'm so supportive of this show and have been for you know for <laughs> years now um is because I was like this has got to be one of the most difficult book to screen adaptions ever it's because it's not just interview of the vampire it's all of them and that is a lot that is a lot of context that's a lot of characters and so that's why yeah i agree is that as a series that works perfectly and those changes work perfectly because you want yes we want to do interview the vampire we want to do the vampire will stop but how do you incorporate you know the vampire stuff right after interview the vampire as a series well let's take the context of what we learn about Lestat, what we learn about Louis from the vampire Lestat and put it into interview the vampire. That is extremely interesting. Yeah. And, and I, that's what got me so invested to see that because, you know, not only do we, we don't really know about their romantic. I mean, we kind of, you know, there's subtext in interview the vampire, but in the vampire Lestat, you're like, Oh, okay. Like, they, yeah, they're they're lovers. They're they're romantically involved, and um, you know they're going to show that in in the first book this time because it's canon, <laughs> it's yeah. there, and so and so that made me really happy to learn that. And I think also you know as I you know episode one and two, I started to recognize a lot of these plots, and I was and I was like like it got me like. You know, I, I it got me like thinking, like, oh wait, I I recognize this. It's not exactly like page by page adaptation, but it is a plot that I recognize, and that's what got me like 
that's what got me really, really into this show, which I'd always been very supportive of. But now, episode one and two, like, I I love it. Like, I, it's not just because I have been supportive of the show. Like, I genuinely love this show. This is everything I wanted. Um, and you had asked uh, about my favorite scenes. Um, definitely would be, I think when I truly fell in love with the show was the church scene. Mm-hmm. That that was when I was I I, I started bawling, oh, you know, yeah. because it wasn't it wasn't just that it was so symbolic and you know seeing Louis and Lestat finally you know together romantically involved. But it's also you know to see the imagery of being in that church and to also um, hear the actual words from the this book that I fell in love with that was a very emotional moment for me. And so that's, that was the moment where I really fell in love with the show. Yeah. And I, you know, I have to say, I had wondered, um, because, you know, as, as, as we all know, there were these subtle changes and and one of the biggest changes was with Daniel Malloy being Mm -hmm. an older person, as opposed to the young man that we, that we know the boy. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, had the biggest, most ridiculous smile on my face when I first played the screener and the commercial for his masterclass thing came on. <laughs> it cracked me up. I mean, it, it's an actual it, website so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the, again, the details, I mean, you can call the Talamasca <laughs> and they can tell you whatever you need to know. Like, I mean, the so details on the show are just incredible, but yeah, it, you know, seeing, seeing that they explained it. And, and, and I, I want to go back just a minute because part of the reason, so I hadn't seen anything until obviously the Comic-Con panel. That's when they showed the trailer and that's when they showed the, the scene, uh, the scene when Louie and Lestat first meet at uh, mm-hmm. Fairplay. And so they're, you know, they're having this conversation. And so those were the, those were the, the first scenes. But before that, and this is this is all kind of it just to kind of set the scene because I think it's I think it's kind of neat how this all happened because it it it's it's such a magical memory of mine. But I so I was in the press line, so I had a press pass to go and sit close to the front of this panel. And when you're waiting in the press line, you're with all the other press. And so uh, I started talking to this guy, and he's like, "Are you a fan?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm a huge fan." And he's like, "Yeah, me too." I actually saw the first three episodes already because I'm doing an early review for Rotten Tomatoes. And he's like, oh my God, what did you think? And he's like, let me tell you, if you had any hesitation that this was not going to work, just put it out of your mind right now. It's like, this is, <laughs> I, I'm so blown away with what I saw. And he's like, all of the questions, you know, all of the, there's even like nods to the movie or to the, to the movie. And obviously with Lestat's costume from the back, like, you know, that was yeah. huge, you know, and they showed that in the trailer. So everybody got to see it. And I thought it was just so brilliant. So, but what made it, so, so having that before the panel even started, I was already just buzzing by that point because I just knew it was going to be amazing. I was sitting in front of all of the AMC executives. They were behind me and we had just met earlier uh, on the day before on uh, at the Walking Dead panel. So I just met a lot of the people like I never met face to face. So to hear them interacting and, and laughing and talking about these, you know, the, the things that they must have known from behind the scenes, they were just as excited as that room full of thousands of people. And that's yeah. what made me realize how special this was 
because every single moment, you know, the inside jokes on the stage, you know, that now make more sense in context, because now we can be like, oh yeah, now I know what you're, now I know what you were talking about when you were talking about, you know, the different teeth or the different eye, eye contact lenses and all of those things. Like it's all kind of coming together, but that was when I realized like, this is going to be something that is absolutely amazing. And, you know, as you say, given the context of using the modern day stories, it, it makes sense. Like hearing how the AMC executives were so excited and knowing that they want to build this into something. It's just, it, it tells me that this is going to be, it's only going to get better from here. And yeah, that's what I'm really excited about. And I, and I think that it's, it's, again, it's like this, uh, it's like the perfect moment for this to be happening because when you look at shows like walking dead and game of Thrones, that came out, you know, 12 years ago, they were gambles. You didn't put genre television in prime time, certainly not on a cable network like AMC and certainly not on, on HBO. Those were gambles. They didn't know they were going to take off the way they did. Now they've all, they have spinoffs and they have plans for spinoffs and movies and all. Yeah. So, so interview of the vampire is starting out knowing that there is a recipe for this to be successful. There is an audience that is going to be readily accepting of this. And it has the support of the network to go as long as it needs to go. And that to me tells me that this is just going to be the most amazing experience Yes, I, 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 sometimes I pinch myself because <laughs> it's just, it, it just blows my mind that I'm even yeah. watching an interview with a vampire or that I'm seeing it on a billboard or that I'm seeing it on a oh my ad gosh. popping up on my computer. It just, I, every time I see it, yes. I'm like, wow, that's this is exactly the world we live in. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how I feel. And like, I think that the reason that the, you know, because these audiences there's so many different ones that we had talked about like the different age groups but there's also like you know the people who have you know they they read the books maybe you know like me in high school and they kind of went along with their lives unlike me (laughs) who did not go go along with their lives and I you know continuously kept up with you know seeing fan art or uh, seeing fan fiction when, when it you know, when it was available. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of, you know, we would, especially on Tumblr, and especially on Twitter, like, there, it, it was, a, it's very, these very, very small groups, but they do, they are very enthusiastic about these characters. And that's another reason why I think AMC works really well, because AMC loves characters. And they, yeah. and, and the Vampire Chronicles has some of the most iconic lovable slash uh hateable (laughs) characters and morally gray complex characters and that's why we love them and that's why there was still this niche group um going around the internet and posting about them because we really love them dearly and they stick with they once once you know us you know really big vampire chronicles fans um read about them they stuck with us for a very long time um and um so yeah that's why i think amc works really well with that because you know if they do if they do change some plot or you know have something like dubai that that's fine because with me because as long as they get the characters right that's Mm -hmm. 
that that is the most important thing to me there are some plot lines that i do want to see obviously there are some storylines that i think are really really cool i would love to see like the tale of the twins and stuff like that but but as but it's so important to me that they get the characters right and so far they have done that incredibly and i'm just so excited to see more characters that that is going to be very exciting um, to see all those all those other characters come to life because they've done a really good job of it so far. Um, yeah, that I was my one was, critique of yeah. my of, in my review because I had to come up with something. My one critique <laughs> was that it's only seven episodes. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's only so much you can do in seven episodes, and it's not yeah. enough. And and this no. is coming from someone I had seen. I've seen five episodes, and I, I'm like, five episodes wasn't enough seven certainly not going to be enough you better get into production like right now because yeah no they're they're they've about season two thank god (laughs) yeah no that and i i i had a feeling it was going to come quicker than than uh, i thought it was they were going to do it sooner than that but but you know what it's that's all we need is just to know that it's on on its way and obviously the mayfair stories are coming and and that's exciting too but it's it's like you know you look at this and you're like wow like i can't i i just can't believe that that it's all happening. But I, I wanted to ask yeah. you, Ray, because one of the things that, you know, like like we said at the top of this, that that um, you know, we've been following each other's work like as soon as is this kind of is is the interest really started getting going. So, you know, first it was like whispers and then it became pictures. And then we were like, oh, pictures, this is great. And then really everybody's waiting for the trailer. And that's can't that's what came at Comic-Con. And um, mm-hmm. you know, and and hearing your story and how you connected with the books explains how you came to love the stories but I want to know how did you get so involved in the community I mean you're everywhere you're on TikTok you're on YouTube you're on Twitter like how do you do that like where did you start like was it a conscious decision to like just take over social media because like you are everywhere it was absolutely a um accident I was very excited when the when the first teaser came out, um, this one's in April, I believe. The very first teaser, the one mm-hmm. where we see their coffins. Um, I was running around my house, physically running around my house, not knowing to what to do with myself. And so I decided to post my reaction video, uh, a reaction video to me watching the teaser. And I, I accidentally, well, I don't say... I wouldn't say accidentally because it's a video. I posted it for the public and it got 1.5 million views. Wow. And it was that, that was on TikTok, right? <laughs> yes. It was on TikTok. I, I had posted a few um, vampire related stuff on there, but like nothing that, you know, it didn't blow up or anything. It was just a, you know, here and there, it was just a fun TikTok pad. I just posted whatever I want. And honestly, the only reason I posted that was because I wanted to find more fans, which I did. Um, but I really thought it was just going to go to the niche vampire interview of the vampire fan base. I did not think it was going to blow up to 1.5. <laughs> and, um, but I think a big reason why it got so many views and so many comments is because most of the comments were people asking me, what is this? <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. And I just kept getting more and more questions. And so I was like, okay, I'll answer them. And so I answered one question and then somebody had another question and then somebody said, well, what do you think of the books? And then I decided to post what I thought of the books. And then it just, it, it just, it took a, it took a, a, 
what's it called? It just rolled up into one yeah, yeah. huge thing, basically. It was it was a just it started with one thing and then it just rolled into another. Snowball and it, I really yeah. I really had no uh I had no expectations to blow up that much within this community. I had none. I really just wanted to find more fans, talk about these books, talk about this show. And that was it. And I also, there were, cause I had also seen so much misinformation about this show. Mm-hmm. I'd seen so much in misinformation, um, especially with the race change to Louie uh, about like, well, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And I'm like, well, I have an answer for all of that. And so I decided to make videos about that. And then uh, people wanted to know like, hey, do you have any updates on the show? And so I was like, okay, so <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> answer I'm going to talk about the books. I'm going to uh, talk about the show, talk about uh, why I'm so supportive of it. Plus, I'm going to answer all of your questions. Plus, I'm going to do this. And then I I, I really, um, yeah, so that's how that happened is people just wanted to know more about it. And um, I wanted to update people about it. Plus, I just really wanted the show to succeed. I really wanted people to notice it. So it made me really happy to see, you know, people noticing it and I'm really glad it actually got to a point where um Roland Jones actually uh, commented on my ko-fi and that was an extremely emotional moment for me um that was that was crazy I I, I didn't I really didn't I don't expect anything from my my posts I really I you know this is not my job I just I'm a fan and I just mm-hmm. love the series. I love Anne Rice and I love this show and that's really it. And, you know, I, I love being a part of this community that I never got to be a part of before. So. Well, and you know, it's, it's so, I mean, I absolutely love that because you're bridging the gap between so many people. And, and, and as you say, I mean, there's some people who have no idea. I mean, and this is, this is true of all shows. I mean, this is, you know, there are people who didn't realize that Game of Thrones is based on a book, on a series of books, you know, there, there's, that happens in every fandom. And then you have people who go back and discover things. And, you know, I've, I've covered The Walking Dead for, God, it's six, seven years. I've never read the comics. Like I purposefully didn't want to read the comics because the show is so different. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, if you, if you, if you think about it, one of the things, and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording the podcast, but one of the things that's really interesting about this particular fandom is, so Anne Rice came out with a book in the, in the mid seventies. And, um, you know, as we know, she just passed away and she was 80. So there were people Anne's age reading this book or reading these watching, or I should say there, there are people who are Anne's age watching this series. There were people in their teens 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s reading the book when it first came out in 1976 those people didn't have community unless there was a place to go gather i mean it became like a vampire connection right like if if there was an event Mm -hmm. everybody would go and you would you know you'd have to find out about it however that was and um you know and that's what made it so interesting when I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a perfectly situated zenial. I am literally in the gap between like the very tail end of Gen X and the very beginning of, of millennials. And so I'm a zenial, which means I'm both analog and digital. And I think that's important because we were talking about fan fiction and I remember, I mean, I, and, and again, I was, God, I was 14 when the movie came out and that's when I discovered the books and all of that. 
But what was interesting is that when you wanted to go look for, you know, you wanted to go online and look at things, the people who were posting were significantly older than maybe the age group that's on TikTok, right? And, you know, the general age group yeah. on TikTok. Because not everybody knew how to go on to on the internet. Like the internet was not the thing that you just went to. Like it was, you had to yeah. have training. So, and I'm going to say this very specifically. I mean, I'm going to pull a list stat if you'll allow me. <laughs> because I, if, if the people who owned the website, Rue Royale, they were the ones that I remember more than anything, publishing some of the best fan fiction I've ever read in my life and it, across any genre, any type of fan, fandom, franchise, whatever. And I don't know what happened to it, but you could only get to it through like GeoCities. And like, I, I don't even know what GeoCities was because I was too young to understand it, but I just like everybody else, you kind of did what you had to do on the internet. It was the wild west of the internet. Yeah. But the point, the point is, is that we've never had a, po a point in time where everybody's been able to come back together. So I would imagine that right now we have people who are, and I, and I can see this in my podcast analytics. There are people across every age group listening to these podcasts about Interview with a Vampire. And it's a fascinating thing to see. So I would imagine that your TikToks are connecting with parents just as much as kids, with yeah. older people, you know, like kids sharing with their grandparents. All of a sudden, you know, you're going to find out that grandma was reading Interview with a Vampire in 1976 and was a huge Anne Rice fan and maybe even went to a vampire ball at some point. And you never would have known that if not for the fact that this series exists, but it crosses all ages. It transcends yeah. gender. It transcends sexuality. It transcends age. And it's just the perfect place for everybody to gather. And I think that's what makes yeah. it, that's one of the things that just makes it so special is we've all been able to connect in ways we've never been able to connect before. Yeah, absolutely. I, I never expected for people to be so interested in, in, in these books or in this TV show, in this universe, I guess I'll just say. Um, I never expected it because, you know, I talked about it with people before and people are like, oh, they're kind of interested. But I think once you show that excitement over something like TikTok or YouTube, then that's definitely when what gets people more interested is like to see that love mm -hmm. and to see things like I've so I've seen so many more um interview the vampire cosplayers on TikTok recently than I ever have in my life yeah. and <laughs> it like things like that just to see when you see other people's love of a content that gets you more interested than the content itself mm -hmm. is when you when you see that love for it you're like I want to be a part of this what is going right. on? And so, and, uh, you know, I, I have a, I have some dabbles of marketing, so I, I kind of, I kind of understand that. And, uh, so yeah, I think that once you can like make those connections, um, like you said, with different ages and different and different subgroups, um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing that this show ended up doing. I'm not sure if they expected that, um, but yeah, they've, they've definitely brought in a lot of different fan groups. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with that, especially, um, that I've also never seen, like, I, I, I've never experienced a, um, the marketing team or the, or the social media team to interact so much with fans as I have for this. Um, you know, like they act, they actually see our posts. They actually oh, see yeah. The, you know they they pay attention to that and that makes me really and they let us know 
oh, which yeah. is very, very cool that they, that they let us know, like, no, we, we see you, <laughs> like, yeah. don't you worry, uh, because, you know, we've been waiting a long time, we have been waiting a long, long time, you know, with a name as big as Anne Rice, you would think we would have more adaptions, but we don't, and we, right. so, you know, we've, like I, like we were saying earlier, we've been in our hundred year sleep. Like we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, you know, some people have been waiting 40 years to see, and everybody's watched episode one at this point. So I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> um, some people have been waiting 40 years to see Louis and Lestat kiss on screen. Yep. Like, think about that. Like some people, like somebody out there waited that long for that. And that's, that's beautiful. And that makes me really happy for the fans that have been a part of this since the beginning. Um, I don't even know where I was going with this. <laughs> but no, but you, no, you make a really good point though, because there are, there's so many moments that weren't possible back, you know, you know, in that, even in writing the books, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people who weren't fans of her books in that age because of the themes you know yeah. so that the, there were a lot of themes that I don't think that a lot of it, it she was ahead of her time she definitely was. I mean like she she definitely didn't care about the social you know social norms of of present day society when she was writing those books you know it didn't matter that yeah um you know, obviously the, the AIDS epidemic was starting to spread and that was, you know, and, yeah. and she's writing about a vampire who's very openly bisexual and has no problems, you know, making that known, um, yeah. you know, writing that book in 1985, Vampire Lestat, like there's, there's all sorts of stuff that you could take away from that and say like, wow, like that was brave of her to do that. And yeah. it was still a national bestseller. It was still, you know, it still resonated with so many people, but then even by 1994, you would think that like, there would be the ability to tell a story of two men having a relationship the way they did. And yeah. for whatever reason there, and I'm sure there, there are a lot of, a lot of reasons that we'll never really fully understand, but they weren't allowed to show those things at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though it was 1994, even though we, that was a, a generally progressive, that was kind of the start of things being progressive, but then at the, at the same time, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was also a very difficult time, you know, for the LGBTQ community. And, 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 um, yeah, I was telling my sister, I was like, you know, what's really interesting is when you think about 1994, I mean, that's like at the height of like, don't ask, don't tell, don't, you know, all of these things were happening at that time. And then you have the two biggest movie stars in a movie that's packed with all sorts of famous people, Christian Slater, Antonio Banderas, Kirsten Dunst, like they hadn't really taken off quite. I mean, that, that was like their springboard was that movie, but to have Tom Cruise and, and Brad Pitt playing these characters who ob- very obviously had a relationship, but couldn't overtly say it that was very progressive, even though it yeah. wasn't the full embrace of what their relationship was. They, I think oh, they absolutely. got as close to it as they possibly could. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's, it's, it, but just, so to see it come together now, to see the kiss, yeah. the, um, you know, to, just to see them in, in this kind of domestic bliss is yeah. just absolutely amazing domestic messy bliss yeah yeah you know <laughs> Talk, I mean, toxic domestic bliss that's why you have an incinerator it gets a little messy yeah. every now and then but 
<laughs> but it's, it's, you know, but to see that, to see those moments and to know that the show is taking the time to show those moments is just that, that to me just says it all. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, you know, cause uh, there are a lot of queer shows out there and like, I've seen them and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is good. And, and of course, like, you know, like uh, there are, there still aren't enough, obviously there's still a lot of, we have a long ways to go in terms of representation, obviously, but just for the, these characters specifically that have been a part of my life for so long and I've been I'm a huge loose dots shipper sorry I'm going to talk about them a lot I'm quite I'm quite known for it <laughs> um uh you know I've been yeah I've been a huge loose dots shipper my whole life and to finally see them together was just like oh my gosh like 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 I mean I know they're together I, in, the, in the books of course like I know that but to see it on screen was just like oh my gosh it was cathartic for me yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and um uh, and uh, I wanted to talk about um I sorry I know I I, I know I'm trailing uh but you had talked about earlier about the change to um to Daniel Malloy's character and I don't know if we have time to talk about oh, yeah, that yeah, go for it okay okay so so that like you said that's like probably one of the biggest changes which um, I think that shows who the who the book fans are and who the movie fans are because the book fans are concerned about Daniel Malloy, whereas the movie fans were concerned about Louis. Like mm, we know who the book fans are. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, <laughs> non non book fans. Um, but uh, I mean, so the, the so the change to to Daniel Malloy, and I know you have your theories, and I have my theories about what's going on with that. That was my biggest concern too, um, because I'm also a huge Daniel Armand fan. But now that I'm watching this show, I'm like, this kind of feels that this relationship kind of feels like it is a little bit of that, and it, it's kind of a mixture of Daniel and Armand and Louis and Lestat. So I'm like, I don't know how that can play out, you know, with that happening, because. Um, you know, on one hand, uh, it, it's it's like, well, Daniel is known for turning into a vampire, but he doesn't get any development really in the books after that. And uh, so I feel like we are actually getting a lot more development of this character in the movie than we ever did in the books. So it's like, it's kind of like a give or take, where yeah. it's like, it's like, okay, well, do am I more concerned about the physical? appearance of a character and the physical plot that happens or do I care more about the character development and actually like branching out a character's feelings and emotions and relationship with other characters that's kind of how I see it and yeah. that's I think that's how other fans should start to see is like because I mean that scene when he was eating ice cream with I'm thinking is that episode two yes yes <laughs> okay no. okay thank god <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like I didn't want to spoil anything um where he's eating ice cream with Louie at the end of episode two like that was I, I think that was really really well done to show that Louie and Daniel um have a lot more complex relationship than than it's than it's for how it appears in the books and I really like that and I I think that fans should start to like you know, lean in a little more to that. It's like, we love these characters. Let's give them time to grow rather than worrying about these very specific plot points that happen 
if that makes right. sense. And I think, I mean, you know, and before I, before I say it, it we're going to all, we have so many conversations that we're going to have to have. We are not going to be able to fit yeah. everything into this one podcast. So we're going to continue this and uh, it'll be kind of like our own interview, but in a different way. But, um, but, you know, one of the things that I felt very strongly about in going into the series is that it's very important to kind of approach it with an open mind and see how it progresses. Now I had the benefit that no one else, you know, the media had the benefit of seeing five episodes in a row, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And, and so you can see like, oh, okay, that's why this happens or this why, you know, and then not to say that all of these things get answered because they don't, they, there's still a lot of ground to cover. But I think when people get fixated on that one image that came out in February or, you know, that one teaser that came out in April or, you know, the one thing that's... You, when you have zero context, it's really hard to tell what that means. And yeah. so all we can do now is we can look at the, the very overt things that they have told us about these characters. In Daniel's case, you know, we know, we know right away that he's a very accomplished journalist. He's seen everything. And he also had the secret from his past that he had, he had had this interview and that's how he got the bite mark and all of this stuff. But we also know that he has kids, he has daughters, he has, you know, he's been married twice. He's had, you know, he's got people, all of a sudden he has people in his life that would miss him if he was gone. But he also has a disease that's going to take his life. Yeah. And those are all things that they've put out there. I mean, it's, it's not, you don't have to read into it. There's no, you know, it's, it, there's no, uh, D digging that has to be done to get to those points they put them out there very specifically and so I have to think that there's some reason that this is all going to you know it's all there and it's all going to come out at some point and it's going to mean something at some point um yeah I agree. you know yeah and the in in the only other character that we had who was of age in these books was David and then he de-ages and becomes you know somebody else and that's a whole thing um yeah it's but, been a very common common theory the danvis yeah yeah <laughs> and so is there you know is there something there who knows but mm -hmm. all you know in all of these cases there's there's only we can only rely on what we've seen and yeah. i'm willing to go along on this adventure because what i know so far is that they have done a freaking heck of a good job with how they've put the story together and so i have to think yeah that if they're telling us stuff, it means something, but we just have to be patient to get to where it is because- I absolutely agree. I, I have so, the whole Dubai, every time the Dubai scene comes up, I've got like, you know, my eyes glued because I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what are they gonna, I mean, they're they're putting in Easter eggs within like uh, the Marius, like the, the, the reference, like I'm yeah. like, they're putting in all these Easter eggs in, in these in these Dubai scenes. And it makes me so excited because I'm like, <laughs> what else are they gonna tell us? Like, they're, you know, and I'm just like, I need to know more. It's, it's so interesting. And I'm just like, it makes me want the next episode so badly drives me insane i'm just like oh, yeah. I'm like what like louis will say something and i'm like what does that mean louis <laughs> <laughs> elaborate this is an interview yeah. and you're not elaborating <laughs> and you know part of me part of me has even wondered because the pandemic and i talked a little bit about this on my last podcast but it's so interesting how the pandemic factors into this because they've yeah. made that in <laughs> you know which is fascinating yeah I would love to, yeah because i i even in the middle of the real pandemic 
wondered what would happen to those characters. Well, how would you how would you perceive this? They've most some of them have been through the Black Death. They've they've been through plagues before. Yeah. So this is nothing new. But what's interesting yeah. to me is I started to wonder: Did Louis get stuck somewhere when things shut down? And is that why? I mean, obviously, you can you know they they have the ability to travel and they can they can do things. But maybe he was at somebody's house visiting Dubai, and then he's like, oh, I guess I'll just stick around because I can't really go anywhere. I mean, there, oh, there's man. so many ways that those things could tie into it because oh, yes. obviously they've made it into part of the story and seeing the staff members which I thought was so clever having the the serving staff come out with their masks and gloves because mm-hmm. that safety and COVID safety protocols like everybody had to wear stuff except like the moment they're filming so to leave people in their stuff is kind of a reminder of like everything like they had to do that as soon as the scene, you know, as soon as they called cut, they were putting their masks back on, you know, the, all the characters were putting their masks back on. You see them in behind the scenes footage with their masks on, you know, if it didn't mess yeah. up. Yeah. You know, so there was yeah. a lot, I mean, it's so interesting that, that became part of the show, but it makes me wonder if, if Dubai was an accident, like, hey, I'm stuck here. But then again, you know, Daniel did have to fly there. So it kind of debunks it. Unless Louis just yeah. decided, hey, you know what? I like it here. I'm going to stay here for a while. I, I just happened to shack up at so-and-so's place and, and you know, now I'm going to stay here a little longer. We can make an entire episode out of theories because the, I have several group chats where we're talking about this uh-huh. and there are, so, uh, we, we have gone, we have gone off. It's, it's become this whole, like we've got, we've got the strings, you know, the board with the oh, strings yeah. all around. Like we're, we're, we have gone so deep into theories about what's really going on to thinking like louis is actually being has been captured by armand or something like that like like oh we have just gone off so uh i i I know that you don't have too much time but but i do want to yes we are the fan the fan base especially in our group chats we are absolutely thinking about this 24 7 it's it's become it's become our lives basically to figure out what's going on but especially yeah me too oh I love that I actually and I was saying this too I was like I love that even though I know these books like I'm I'm coming up with theories and stuff and I'm like I love this because we have something to talk about it's not a page-by-page adaption where I'm like okay this is gonna happen and then then this is gonna happen like I'm actually having to actively think about like okay, how does this play into the book like this? Like, I, I love that. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think that's one of the most exciting things about this show is like, I don't, I don't even know what's going to happen in the interview parts because, you know, as I said, they're taking context from the later books into this. So I don't, so it was like, oh, I know that this part in interview happens here, but I'm like, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen exactly like that. Right. Maybe in its own way. Like I, I had, you know, uh, I had figured out uh, like a couple of events. I'm like, oh, this event is actually this event or this character is actually this character in the book. And it's really, really interesting how they do that. And I can't talk about that because it's in a later episode, but um, but I've, I've figured out where they were going from there. So I'm very excited to see how they play out these other characters and these other um, events. Um, I know that like myself a lot of the fans are very anxious for armand um because we've had two armands in the past 
one of them was great one of them was okay um nah, not really okay um <laughs> one, one of, you know Antonio Banderas is amazing and I love him um he didn't exactly look like Armand but you know and so uh, and so a lot of the fans are like very like all of our theories basically tie around the tie to Armand <laughs> where it's like well what does this mean well it means Armand <laughs> what are they talking about here it's just, it's just the answer to everything he's, yeah. he's become he's become the Thanos of of yeah of interview with the vampire we're like trying to figure out how he ties into it I love it. Well, I'm hoping, I am hoping that we get to see him before the end of the series or the first season because yes. it, it yes it'll be a long He's way to so... go. Or maybe they'll introduce him, the actor playing him at least, like something like that. Because it's, it's just it's a tiny teaser. Anything. Yeah. He's such a beloved character. Oh he's yeah, so I mean, he's iconic. <laughs> he's 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 basically he's almost as iconic as Mustad. Um, oh, I mean, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, even like the like you know like the, a lot of the Twitter followers of the Immortal AMC account, a lot of them are Armand. <laughs> There's like they have Armand's face with the our, our Armand name, and it's just like all these Armands. So, oh, but it's, it's such a great place to be, and it's you know, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully we get to see him. But yeah, one thing so you know, too. as uh, as we kind of wrap up because I this has just been an, this was an experience, an experiment on my part. I've always wanted to have fans on my podcast and this has been so much fun that now I can't imagine not doing it even more. I want to get the people, I want to get all of your people with the bulletin boards in a call together where I just let you guys go for a little bit. Here's a topic, discuss. (laughs) And I just want to let that happen. I want, I want to be a platform to let that conversation happen so people can hear in real time, some of these conversations, because I think it would just be fascinating. So if you're up to it, I would love to have you back. And, and, and I, I mean, obviously I want to have you back for other, you know, for more conversations, but I think that would be so yes. much fun to keep going with these, you know, some of these fan chats because there's so much to talk about. Oh yes. Um, there's, we hear some video chats on, on my discord, definitely had video chats that would last, you know, an hours just talking about like, okay, what could this mean? What could this mean? And what could this mean? And, um, you know, these, these fans like myself, we're really very loyal to this, to this show, to this series. I mean, I've, a lot of us have never felt this excited for a show in our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm serious when I say that about myself, like I've never been so excited about a show in my life. And I'm not even like, I, I'm not exactly like a vampire. I wouldn't say I'm not a vampire fan. I am a vampire fan, but I'm not. I'm not a vampire critic. Like I'm not. I'm not somebody who actively goes looking for all the vampire media I can find. I do enjoy a lot of vampire. I I love Let the Right One In. Um, I love Boss Boys. Like I I enjoy other vampire content, but the Anne Rice vampires I mean they 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 struck a chord in my heart um you know more than more than any of them and so you know that's what in my videos like I'm I'm that's why I was so surprised that I blew up is because I I'm I'm not you know I don't dress goth I don't do vampire well I do do vampire cosplay stuff but you know I, I I'm just I'm just a fan but I am you know I feel like that that's 
that that's the reason why people like my page is because I talk to them like they're talking to a friend. Right. And, you know, just, in, you know, just like you and me, like we're, we're, we're friends talking about books we love and, um, you know, and finding all these people like in my group chat that I would never think that I would, I would ever find in, in real life, like talking so enthusiastically about all these theories and all these things that could happen. It, it, it's just great. I, I love it. But yes, I, I would love to come back. Uh, I, I have had such a blast doing this. This is awesome. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I, I want to have you back and, and we've got a lot. We're just at the, at the bottom floor of this great adventure that's going to span a long time. So I think, I, I think there are many more conversations to be had and, um, and Ray, I can't thank you enough for, for being here. Now tell everybody again, how they can find you on social media. What are all of the places where we can find you? So uh, my name is Ray, and I also am known as Gore, G-O-R-R-E-I. You can find me on TikTok at, at Gore, and you can also find me on my Twitter account at Gore underscore V-C, and um, also my Instagram page, uh, which is G-O-R-R-R-E-I, <laughs> um, which I post a lot of the updates on the show on my Twitter and Instagram, but then a lot of my thoughts on the show uh, will be posted on my TikTok. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And um, yeah, I'm so, it's so fun to finally connect with, with another fan who, who, who gets it and who loves it as much as I do. And, and um, here's to many more conversations and um, yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here, Sarah Beth. All right. And once again, I want to thank Ray for joining me on the podcast. And um, like I said, it's a new venture and it's something that I want to do more of. So let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at Sarah Beth Pollock and, and let me know what you think about it. And who knows, maybe you and I will be chatting in the future. And I definitely know that Ray and I are going to be chatting in the future again, because I think it's uh I think this was just the start of our conversation. So definitely looking forward to that. And as always, I want to thank you, especially if you made it to the end of this podcast. I know it was a little bit longer than the normal ones, but uh, I think it was a, a good conversation. So there was, there was really no natural stopping point sooner than, than when we finished up. So thank you for listening. And as always, thank you for your support. If you haven't done it already, please make sure that you like and subscribe the podcast. It's available on eight different platforms. And, uh, you know, the, your support means the world to me. This is my own podcast. So it's, uh, you know, your support is, is benefiting me directly. And um, it helps me to be able to do things, you know, do more things for you with the podcast. So thank you so much. And until next time, friends. Mm -hmm.